0: All right, all right, quieten and now. Live from the Britain Yankee Pub Studios. Another Britain Yankee Craft Beer pub cast. I can hear the pints being pulled right now. Jack, 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 Jacket, 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 Jacket. Take it away, lad. You are paying for that beer, <parachute noise> aren't you? Pump up the bitter. Pump
1: up bitter.
2: Welcome to yet another Britain Yankee Craft Beer Podcast, where we take ourselves on the road most of the time to the breweries to talk to the brewers and find out a little bit more about some of Illinois' finest. With me, my co-host today, is Mr. Ken McMullen. Hello, Ken. How you doing, Phil? Buenos dias, Phil. Thank you. What a minute. I thought, what, what, no uh, Spanish introduction from you? <laughs> Even though he's not Spanish, he's Irish, You he should be saying, a top of the moron
1: to you. <laughs> Irish and Scott and everything not British. Yeah, right?
2: there you go. Well, that's, that's the way, because you're the <laughs> Yankee. Um, now, I have to start off this edition Well, we are on the road in a fantastic surrounding, which we'll describe in just a second. But I have to start off this edition with an apology. We're sorry. We're so sorry. We're so freaking sorry! Okay, that's a Monty Python thing. I didn't add the F word in there. Anyway, we're terribly sorry because where we are has been open for seven years. And for five years, the man sitting next to me has been brewing... And we have not been out to taste his beers, see where he brews, or talk to him. So the other day, Ken, you and I were enjoying a beverage, and we said, let's go, because you had to get back to Fox Republic down in Yorkville. Let's head back down and visit this brewery. We are at BBGB Brewery and Hot Farm, also known as Hardware Gastropub. And with us, I'm very glad to say, is the brewmaster, Mr. Bob Saltzman. Is
0: it Saltzman or Saltzman? It is Salzman. Salzman. Thank there you. I go. appreciate that. So, hey, how are you, Bob? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for finally making it out here. I um, know. And I have to
2: say that, you know, cards on the table, elephant in the room, <laughs> the reason that we didn't come out was because you were open for a couple of years and I think at that time, your beers were at the price that they are almost today, Mm -hmm. and we got reports they weren't good. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say,
0: you weren't here, and now you come, things have changed, right? I'm here to save the day, yes. (laughs) Uh, No, I I will agree with that. Um, At the time that uh, hardware slash BBGB opened it, Um, I lived, I think I told you, I lived 90 seconds away. I timed it once, and I could hit reverse in my car, my driveway, and I could touch the brew house within 90 seconds. So a very, very short drive. And when they first started building the place, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a new brew pub opening up 90 seconds away. I told my wife, sorry, honey, you might not be seeing me very much. I've got a place within walking distance. And then I came and I tried the beers, and as I think with uh, many breweries, when they're first starting out, first opening up, you're talking a brand new system, something no one's ever used before, and there's a lot of bugs to work out, a lot of kinks to work out, and there was a lot of issues getting things started, getting beers online the way they should be, and that took a bit, and... Um, uh, though I thought I was going to be here most of the time, as I told my wife, as it turns out, I wasn't because I just really didn't care for the beers that were coming out. It took a little while for things to improve, and I'm—I think that I've—I I try to uh, improve things constantly here as well.
2: Well, we Ken came in and, and did a tasting. You had the four that they—they they usually have about eight taps, and we'll talk about that tap line in just a second because that's in itself darn awesome (laughs) but the four you had the four standards if you will and Bob had just put on four other beers that were well, we hadn't put them on, but they weren't on the menu, if you will. And I'm glad that we said, is Bob here? Because Bob came back and says, hey, we've got four other beers. Because we were looking at the menu, and it wasn't up to
0: speed. In. I keep <laughs> the good stuff in the back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got to ask for it. That's the um, brewer's uh, hidden special stash. So I, it,
2: it really has been uh, an absolute eye-opener for me. I am so glad that I came in. Now, of course, we like to sample stuff here and now. And what we have in front of us is something that you have just put on tap, right? Yes, correct. And this is
0: your Vienna Lager. Yes. So tell us about this. Well, this uh, Vienna Lager is named Bradley's 1041 Vienna Lager. The USS Bradley was the name of the ship that my father-in-law commanded back in the late 80s or thereabouts. He was active in the Persian Gulf. The beers here are named after either dearly departed loved ones, family members, or the little one-offs, one-time seasonal beers are named after departed pets, cats and dogs that you had growing up, whatnot. Well, I've made a lot more beers here, a lot more one-off beers than, than I've had pets in my life. So I've had to quickly kind of branch out from that. And uh, Vienna Lager is a style that I wanted to make for a while. And it reminded me of my father-in-law. He passed away about three years ago, and he was a man. His beer, his beer of choice was Coors Gold.
2: We won't hold that against him, right? Yes. Well,
0: <laughs> we we all have our you know beer that sometimes people, as a brewer, people raise their eyebrow to you if you're not you know drinking some high-end something right. all the time. Well, you know you can't always do that. Uh, at any rate, he always had Coors Gold. He kept. In the house, though, he always had some Sam Adams because in his mind, Sam Adams, that was the pinnacle. That was good beer. That was craft beer. In the late 80s and early 90s or such, yes, that was completely true. Uh, At any rate, so he always kept that around, and I realized he kept it in the house for me. Um, They spent, uh, you know, God bless them, they spent their summers uh, here in the Chicagoland area at their house in Chicagoland. Uh, in the winter, they were in their house in San Diego, and that was, he would get the Coors Gold out there, and he would import it into do a cannonball run here to Chicago to bring the Coors Gold. <laughs> but he always had Sam Adams in the house for me because he knew I was a beer guy. So every time we went over to visit my wife's parents, I was greeted by the captain with a bone-crushing handshake and the question, how about a Sammy? Nice. And to be completely honest, I've never been a very big fan of that beer, but out of politeness to my host, I always had a Sam Adams with the captain. When I was looking for a way to commemorate him after his passing, I had figured something kind of a clone uh, of a Sam Adams would be appropriate, so I made this beer, uh, closest classification I think would be a Vienna Lager, but it's really meant to be something akin to a Sam Adams in his memory. I had made uh, the first one. I called it the Captain Jerry's Vienna Lager. And then I tweaked the recipe and refined it. And now I released this one. I also wanted to honor him. So I named it after his ship, Bradley's uh, 1041. 1041 was the hull number on that ship. But that yeah. is the story of this beer. I, I love it. it. I love it's beers cool. with a
2: story. Uh, now, Ken, the Vienna Lagers are one of your favorites. so Well, I got to tell you, you I,
0: have,
1: I have a father in law, and he keeps beer in his fridge for me, too. And it's. I'm literally the only one that drinks it, so sometimes it's.
0: I'm familiar with from that. last year. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> and I always drink it. I won't be a It's it's always a mixed pack of Sam Adams. Oh,
2: okay. So Sammy, Sammy we is alive all do like Sam. And well, Adam. yeah. Oh, and you mentioned. That. Back in the late eighties, yeah, that I I drank Sam Adams Boston Lager and then they came out with other ones and sure. they had the Sam Adams long shot competition for mm-hmm. homebrewers. So yeah, they're, they're steeped in the history. Sure. Anyway,
1: back to Vienna, what do you think of this? Well this is excellent. It's uh, it's it's on the dark side for Vienna, but you know, like you said off off air, Bob, there's a range. Mm. But it's beautiful. It's clear. You can sure. see right through it. It's this is nice. when I was
0: I was crossing my fingers for this because, uh, actually, as I just poured the glasses we're enjoying right now, I had realized that this is the first time I am tasting this batch of beer or this recipe. And I was really hoping that it would turn out well. And I'm Ooh. pretty happy with it. So. It has.
2: I mean, I, I get a delicious um, dryness mm. the longer it you – know, once I swallow yeah. it, lingers and I get that dryness. And that means I want to go back for another yeah, sip. Yeah, sure. This is very, as I say, Sessionable, pintable,
1: crushable—it's got everything that's good with it, and I think this is a great fall beer. I love this time of year. I love I love the Oktoberfest that come out, and then so many breweries are following those up with Vienna lagers. It lets us focus on malt and enjoy these malty beers. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, we should,
2: and we should say that when we were in here last week, just only a couple of days ago. We did try your Oktoberfest, which is a, a fest beer style, A right? German
0: fest beer, yep. correct.
2: And it was delicious, and now we come here today and it's gone.
0: <laughs> so. Well, the seasons change, and I was actually happy. I patted myself on the back a little bit. That the Oktoberfest was gone before the end of October. I didn't want it lingering into next week, and I was very happy that we ran out of it. i got
1: customers that are like, I'm so mad I missed your Oktoberfest. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so glad that you missed my Oktoberfest. See, they'll be coming back next year for it. That's the nice
2: thing about yeah. those types of beers. That if you don't make it all year round, people come back for it. Now, this is an ale. Or is this a lager?
0: This is a it's lager. lager. It's a
2: lager. So you're able to do ales and lagers. Do you have lagering tanks, no. or you
0: just I do what just everybody else does? I have to do what I have to do to make it all work. You know, I, I was <laughs> I was dealt the equipment that I uh, you know was I started here, and it was kind of okay. Figure it all out. And
2: so tell us tell us about your equipment, if you'll pardon the expression.
0: Uh, the equipment I'm brewing <laughs> on a seven barrel specific mechanical system back there. It's been solid as a rock, I have to say. It's all manual. All I mean, including in the mash tun, people kind of some other brewers come by and they check in there and they see it's completely empty. And where where are the plows? Where are the rakes? And I point at my arms. Here's here's the plow. Here's the rake right there. It's all it's all me. It. Uh, it keeps so, me in shape.
2: So you don't want to have one of those ones where the thing goes around. It's and, all
0: so, me. Yeah, it does sure. not go around unless I make it go around. <laughs> and,
2: Ken, that was the same with your prior brewery, Hot
1: Vine. Yep. You just, yeah, I, I, I've mashed out from there. <laughs> Now I have rakes. Oh, my God. Oh, I... Yes. Actually, I have a that, brewer, too. That's the, th- that's, the <laughs> thing that go- that's the
2: thing that goes around. That's called the rake, right? Yeah. So inside the mash tun, there's a thing that goes around. For those of you who don't yeah. know, it goes around and pushes out the mash.
0: You want to make sure all the water uh, gets to all the grain, make sure it's all evenly distributed, make sure the temperature is the same, you don't have hot spots or cold spots in there, and so the rakes kind of keep it all mixing, or in my case, me and my uh, mash paddle keep it all yeah. mixing through the entire... Uh, mash in.
2: Now, one of the things about hardware and uh, is that it's a sustainable pub. We'll talk a little bit about some of the other facilities and what, what you'll find in here. Um, but your spent grain, do you take it to a farmer? Do you reuse it?
0: Uh, both, actually. Um, our kitchen uses it here to make... The rolls for if you come and have dinner and you get a basket of bread, those are made from my spent grain. If you order a flatbread for dinner, that crust is made from my spent grain. Uh, If you order the bison burger off the menu, that bun is made from my spent grain. If you would like to, if you let your server know that you've got dogs at home, they will probably give you a couple of dog biscuits along with your check that were made, you guessed it, from my spent grain. Um, And then we also have a uh, a local farmer who she comes and picks up the rest. Uh, I I create a lot more spent grain than the kitchen can use up. Believe it or not, they're making all that stuff, but they can't use it all.
2: And I heard that also spent grain was a really good compost. I don't know if that's true or not, but you guys actually have a very large greenhouse here, and we'll talk about that in the next segment, but... Do they use that on any of the plants?
0: Um, they, we do not use any of that in-house. Hmm. Um, I,
2: I uh, wonder why. Is I, that, then is that a fallacy about the spent
1: grain? No. It spent grain compost very quickly. It, it's excellent for compost. I send mine to a farmer that uh, he composts all of it. Mm. You know, a lot of them use it to feed pigs or mm. cattle. But Mine
0: goes to birds. Nice. <laughs> okay. I, I think I'm
1: going to have to come and get some from you,
2: but like like a couple of bucket loads, because I have a composter that I've got in the backyard. I built it myself, and it's sadly gone down. i put in now some mulch leaves. I put uh, old soil on top of it, and then we mix it up, and we put all our... You know, vegetable matter in there and everything. But if I get a little bit of spent
1: grain on it and mix it in with it, do you think that'll speed up the composting? Yeah, it's a good it's a good blend with especially this time of year with all the leaves coming down. And knowing your property you got it has got it's I like got forested. I got leaves ah.
2: up the wazoo, my friend.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so now let's just did I ask you about your background? I don't think I did, did I? No, you I asked when you came, but what what made Bob into the brewer here?
0: What made me into a brewer? Wow, I started brewing, uh, I started home brewing when I was, I believe, about nineteen years old. I had found a catalog. Uh, for anyone who's. Not as old as we are here. Catalog used to be. Speak for yourself. That was like printed out internet. You know, when you wanted to order something. Oh wow! Yeah. Yes, you didn't. You didn't use a computer. You actually looked at paper, and you had to use a telephone, and you had to mail things off, and it was very the old-fashioned way. So I found a catalog where you could order your own equipment and ingredients to make your own beer at home. You don't have to be 21 years old to buy malt and hops and buckets and tubing and all the things you need for brewing. So it was completely legal. I ordered it all from James Page Brewing Company, which Ooh. was a very early regional craft brewer from, from the 80s, and they also had a little home brew shop there. Were they in this area? They were in in Minnesota, oh. International Falls, uh, somewhere up there in Minnesota. Wow. And I ordered the equipment and the kits, and I figured it all out on my mom's stove. God rest her soul, having to (laughs) scrape all of the spilled malt extract and all the other sticky mess and everything that I left there all the time. But that was, I started making it home uh, on my mom's stove and just kept on going and trying to get it better and better. And... Buying more and more equipment to try to make it get better and better and learning more, buying more books. I got in with a homebrew club, the Urban Knaves of Grain, the Western Suburban Chicago Homebrew Club. Well, our our own
2: co-host, sometime co-host Chuck. Chuck, yes, actually. That was where I first met Chuck. Okay, there we go.
0: uh, Was there.
1: When were you a member?
0: Oh, I would say maybe about 90, late 90s, maybe 99 or so.
1: I think we may have just missed through. each other, right? Okay. I was a member from about 96 to 98.
0: Okay. Yeah, it was probably oh. right after that. I lived in uh, Warrenville at the time, and I was just down the street from John's Buffet where we, we used to have the Johnny <laughs> Johnny K! I wish
2: I had my bell. <laughs> ding, ding. Good friend of mine. <laughs> I'd never forgiven him for closing down John's Tavern. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's, it is disappointing. It used to be an old a favorite in the yeah. w- far <laughs> west of Perth <Urbs. laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then the Homebrew Club, I got into uh, the BJCP, studied and uh, passed the exam there. Mentor, Steve McKenna, that taught all of our, most of our members how to be BJCP judges and then judge lots of competitions around there, the Drunk Monk Challenge many times. And started doing online courses, University of Oklahoma, chemistry of beer was a big one. Wow. And... <laughs> Uh, the, the the way that I very first became an employee at a brewery was I was a regular, shall we say, at the bar at Two Brothers Tap House. Oh, yeah. Uh, when they opened in, in Warrenville. Warrenville. I was actually there the very first day because I lived in Warrenville at the time. And... I knew many people who were from the brothers to salespeople to people who worked in the tap room. At any rate, I was the guy who sat at the bar who kind of knew about all the brewing things that people would be asking the bartender who had no idea about anything brewing. So they would frequently refer the person over to me when they say what hops are in this or you know how do you guys do this they would send them to me and i was the guy who answered questions and then lo and behold they needed someone to give tours at some point and they called me up and they said can you give tours from us because you know everything about our brewery so for several years there i was giving tours and cleaning up messes back there and (laughs) from there got on to uh, assistant brewer at crystal lake brewery oh wow uh, for a couple of years And uh, at that time, there was just two of us. It was just Ryan Clooney, the brewmaster, and then myself as the assistant brewer. So uh, it was a great learning experience because, with just two of us at this big production brewery, you had to learn to do everything. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I had to learn how to drive a forklift and learn as it was. Uh, you know, all the way through to kind of taking over the whole brewery when Ryan was off on vacation or something like that. So I kind of was able to learn all aspects of it, and fortunately, he is a uh, quite a say clean freak, perhaps, which I think is a very important thing to be in a brewery. And so he taught yep. me to be the same. And then this opportunity uh, opened up here at Hardware, and so I brought my cleanness ethic to the brewery here and lo and behold i think it really changed the the quality of beers here and again my 90 second commute rather than my one hour commute up to crystal lake made things a lot easier for me as well so yeah i bet <laughs> they worked out well and, <laughs> and here
2: it, we are and <laughs> it's amazing actually you talk about uh, cleanliness changing a brewery a brewery that's now no longer with us we knew when they opened that the beer was going to be okay. But then all of a sudden it started to drop off. And then a new brewer came in and we talked with them and a good friend of the podcast talked with them. Lo and behold, it was a whole issue with some sort of a plugging in some of the mm. i don't know somewhere in the brewery system they've got some nastiness
0: yeah yeah those are <laughs> it's real obvious transfers in the beers. into the beer yeah if there's a nastiness in the brewery there's nastiness in all the beers. that's right yeah well
2: uh, i have to say that this is probably one of the cleanest brews i've tasted for a long time it's really excellent don't you think so ken
1: it's great beer yeah very, Very good. Indeed.
2: I want to go on to our second segment in just a second because I want to talk a little bit about your hot farm. Mm. And you've got a beer that is containing the benefits of that hot farm or the produce from that hot many, farm. Many,
0: many pounds of it, All yes.
2: right. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second. We're back, and Bob has brought back three delightful-looking beers, which the aroma is fantastic out of these. This is your Fresh Harvest Ale,
0: right? Yes, it Am is. I, Fresh what, Harvest. What, is, is that just the name? or do you Fresh call, Harvest 2023. That's right. the one, uh, of course, every year we have at the end of season, September-ish. We have our hop harvest. We harvest our hop field that is out on the other side of our parking lot. 1.2 acres, I believe, of hops growing out there. So, yes, we uh, harvest the entire field on a Monday. The restaurant's closed on Mondays, which works out because I have to hit up a bunch of the servers around here to help us out. uh, get out there in the field, and we pluck hops uh, all day long (laughs) while enjoying some beverages as well. So so Um, let
2: me also – Okay. You've got the hop field. Mm-hmm. There are pictures of the empty hop field that are out on our website. Um, how do you pick those? Because the hops go up really high. Yes. Do you have ladders or
0: what? what how do you do that? Uh, scissor lift. Oh, okay. You rent a scissor lift for one. Because what we do in, in the, the springtime when they very first start growing, there there's the very tall poles. I'm not even sure how tall, 20, 25 feet-ish. Mm-hmm. And then there are wires that run horizontally from pole to pole to pole. And then when in the spring, when growing season starts, we'll, we'll tie twine from the base, from the ground, all the way up to the top of those poles. And then train the the hop binds to grow up there. Do you have to use like a whip and a chair? Uh, you know what? They're pretty agreeable, actually. They uh, they do what we say for the most part. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because if not, they get plucked and they know it. Oh, ooh, um, I say. Yes, so those grow up to the top uh, by the end of the season, and we'll get a scissor left across there and just clip them at the top. They all fall to the ground, and we've got oh. like a 20-foot-long piece of string with the hops on there. We lay them across some big folding tables, and we get to plucking.
2: And what varieties of hops are they?
0: Well, you know, originally when the farm was first planted, I believe they planted eight or nine different varieties out there, which is a lot in of such a space. You get a lot of crossover, whatever. Only two varieties survived the winters. Hops aren't really known for being grown in the the frozen tundra of Chicago yeah, land right. <laughs> in the wintertime. They, they usually like more temperate yeah. uh, areas in the Pacific Northwest or um, uh, better uh, latitudes. At any rate, we only had two varieties that survived for any amount of time, and that was Cascade and Crystal. So as plants have died off. They've been replaced with either Cascade or Crystal. At this point, there has been so much crossing over, replacing this one or that, it's anyone's guess what is what out there. Oh, really? (laughs) Uh, I I think those two varieties of hops are actually close enough that it doesn't really matter to me. I believe there are, I've looked up some places online, there's a lot of places, um, a lot of hop companies will suggest uh, substitutes for a different strain, and Cascade and Crystal are frequently... Suggested to replace each other. I said, okay, perfect. We'll just consider it all one kind of hop, and everything goes into the beer.
2: And when I came in today to meet with you, to talk, do this podcast, there were two people outside, all suitably, ad- dressed for the rather chilly weather it's that's a, come about it's today. It's a cold one out there today. Yeah. And um, one of them was your master gardener, and the other one, I'm told, was the hot man.
0: Yes. Yes. So so tell us a little bit about that. Well, Sarah was hired several years ago. She has been here. It used to just be, we referred to her as our greenhouse person. We do have a a good-sized greenhouse where they grow lettuces and microgreens and whatnot that are used here in the restaurant hardware. You order a salad here, you're going to get a salad made out of things that were grown 20 feet away from your table. As the years go by, we've added more and more plants. We've got all sorts of fruit trees out there, nut trees, different veggies, tons of hundreds of pepper plants. And there's figs growing out there. There's rhubarb growing out there, tomatoes, and just all sorts. Almost everything here on the property is edible. The little bushes that separate the areas in the parking lot are actually growing currants. There's, like, black currants growing (laughs) out there in between. It's not just for decoration. So they, they manage a lot more than just the greenhouse these days. Of course, as you said now, we're getting into the colder months, so it's more like shutting things down on the outside. But all summer long, they are out there kind of really pressed to the wall to keep up with all the plants that are going on. And one of the things that had always fallen by the wayside was the hop farm. Uh, Ironically, they were uh, trying so much to keep up with the plants that they were growing for the restaurant that the hops were sort of left to their own devices. and. Being left to their own devices, each year we got a smaller and smaller harvest mm. to the point that it just it wasn't healthy out there. We needed to kind of reset the whole thing, and so we hired on David this spring, and he has experience in taking care of hops, and so he was out there <laughs> – this past spring, with a little yard mower, a little 20 inch electric mower, just attacking the four foot high weeds that had taken hold out there, yeah. getting rid of all that and re aerating the soil. And I do have to tell you that the harvest that we just had a few weeks ago was a, a bumper crop. The hops were bigger, there was so much more lupulin in them. That's the good stuff that you mm-hmm. want uh, the yellow stuff on the inside that gives you the flavor and the aroma. And just the ratio of hop cones to, to leaves was amazing. So I'm really looking forward to a couple of years as that builds up more and more. Hops tend to take a couple of years before they really take off. And we've got a good start with our new hop guys. So we're really excited.
2: And Ken and I went out to Emancipation Brewing They're down in Fairbury, Illinois, which is just about 45 minutes south of Plainfield. Wow. And Lincoln Slagle is the brewer down there. He oh. has his hops growing as well out in his field and he had brewed some beer with his illinois hops and that was where i first kind of said you know there does seem to be a slight difference Mm. in the flavor of the hop as you put it into the beer from illinois grown hops and i don't know whether that's the soil or what
1: it's it's the it's the weather it's the soil it's yeah. Slightly more we're, chalky we're probably, soil, is it? We're probably 100 miles south of where good hop weather is. So it's – you know, Wisconsin and Michigan used – and New York used to have vibrant hop economies. And it's coming back.
0: Yeah, New York is definitely coming back. And Michigan, there's a bunch yeah. of in Michigan these right.
2: days. And so this beer, Ken, tell us what you think about it. It's, I like it. It's I've got... already
1: formed an opinion. And <laughs> the, the thing about – fresh hops is you're going to get this a little bit of the vegetal character of the hops because they're not pelletized and it's not concentrated you know concentrating the the lupulin and alpha acids and all that you're getting so a lot you, of plant material in there yeah for sure so that's in there but i get the piney you know earthy so is this an ipa
0: I'm so. calling it a red IPA. Yes. Okay, a uh, red I mean, IPA. The right. the malt bill is online with that. And the other thing about you know picking your own hops and using those out of the field is, unless you're sending it off to a lab or you have your own lab, you don't really know exactly what you're getting There's out of a those. Huge
1: leap of faith, dumping that into your beer. Yes, right. Right.
0: <laughs> most hops when you buy them, you know, you'll get a like a COA that says here's the alpha, the beta, all your different oils and whatnot. I'm picking up stuff that is, you know, growing right over there the other side of our parking lot and crossing my fingers that it's going to taste like hops. So what right. we get is by, you know, a leap of faith.
1: So I've, I've grown hops for 10 years at fine. I had 30 plants in containers. And um, first of all, in the spring, those shoots, you can clip them and you can you can do things with them. Oh, we you do like we, pickled? We pickled them, and then nice. we've also you – can, you can make – there's other – things you can make with them but mainly we pickled them and then used them on a charcuterie board um we started this year some hop plants at fox republic and it was only like maybe six plants and we got a few hops off of them and we did use them in a beer which we'll be releasing this week but i had i have a friend tom franklin in sugar grove that donated his hops to me when i was at hop vine and now he donated them to me this year and then another guy from Yorkville that has 55 hop plants, he donated his hops to us. So uh, we Whoa. we went through those hops to make sure we had them, keep them separate, so we could identify the varieties because mm-hmm. they had there were like nine different varieties. Um, some of them were good, some of them were onion and garlic already. It's it is not cool. easy to harvest them all at the same time when yeah. they're perfect.
2: Is that what? The flavor goes to if you harvest them late and yes, they, oh, onion yes. and garlic. Okay. I
1: hear they are uh, engineering hops that don't develop that character, which is amazing. Oh but wait a minute, that's GMO. The we engineering
0: that. that's happening these days is it's like it's the yeast. Uh, yeah, it's they can do anything yeah. these days.
1: They're they're the big hop farmers are trying to engineer hops that are drought tolerant and so to help. Uh, it's, it's crazy the stuff yeah. they're doing. No water. <laughs> Well, I think
2: this is one of the best harvest ales I've tasted for a long time. The look of it is great. I'm getting tremendous lacing around the around the glass and we're drinking these out of kind of a snifter-style glass. Um, it's really nice. It's fresh. Uh, I can't get over how, you know, fresh and bright this flavor is and it's piney enough for me to go this is fantastic. It's it ain't no hazy,
1: baby. Yes, and that's the thing uh,
0: with fresh harvest beers is they do have uh, an exceedingly short shelf life, or yeah. at least the the fresh hop character from them. I mean, in any IPA, the hop aroma and flavor fades pretty quickly, but the fresh hop character, that different kind of green, uh, you know, plant like uh, right. thing that we're speaking of, fades even more quickly than the hops. So it's you know, get it fresh.
2: Now, is there anything you have to do to the hop? to make sure it's okay to put into your brewing process? And the second part of that question is, when do you put it in?
0: Well, to kind of prevent anything bad from going on, I do everything with these hops, what we would call on the hot side. We harvested 76 pounds of hops for this beer, 13 of those pounds went into the mash. So I did a mash hopping on them, meaning I I added them in at the same time. I added the grain and the hot water when it was doing it, holding the mash, doing a sacrification rest at about 152 degrees. That much heat for about 45 minutes or so is... It has some value in uh, you know pasteurization. Anything that might have come because literally you know those things came right out of the field. You know whatever's blowing around the wind here in North Aurora and sticking to the plants is going right on in there as well. We, uh, we harvested this. All on respect a mon- to
2: North Aurora. Sure, of course. yes.
0: Anywhere. I mean, it's outside. You're, yeah, you're right. taking something some growing outside all summer and then you're throwing it into. Uh, A recipe that is, you know, something you're going to be drinking. And beer is, as I was talking earlier about, you know, cleanliness is Mm -hmm. very susceptible to things from the wild, uh, wild yeasts or bacteria out there doing something, creating some flavors in your beers that you might not want. So I used a a portion of it in the mash uh, to get some of the character out in there. And then the rest I used, uh, I created somewhat what we call a hop back. I ran, after the boil was done, I ran that still hot wort through the hops to kind of just melt away all of the, the lupulin, that good stuff, the yellow, the resin and the oils that give that hop aroma and flavor in there, you know, still at 200 degrees or so and trying to get that out of there and then quickly put it on through the heat exchanger into the fermenter to get it cooled down so we can add our yeast and get it turning into beer real quickly. And that's, honestly you know just kind of the best things i could come up with to fight the possibility of something that landed on the plant out there growing you know whether it be a bacteria or I don't know, something with six legs who knows yeah, right. but <laughs> hitting it with all that heat for a while yeah. and killing it on off and this to me as clean and tasting as this came out i think i was successful in that i don't really taste any off funky infections in here
2: Mm-mm. i i get nothing but pure flavor out of this if you love this type of beer you've got to come down here and taste this before it all goes how much of it have you got
0: um well that's the other thing about making a fresh hot beer is when you throw 76 pounds of uh hops into your vessel and, and run your beer through it and drain it out you lose a lot of it uh those hops will soak up a good amount of it so i only got about four and a half barrels maybe of this uh that came out uh, we hmm. tapped this about three weeks ago, so we've still got uh, a few few kegs left.
2: Yeah, well, that's good. And I think everybody needs to come down and try it. So, Ken, any final comments on this wonderful harvest ale? Yeah, it's
1: the, so Bob's from the same era as me in the 90s when everything had to be super clean and sanitary mm-hmm. in a brewery. And then we entered the era of Sours where the breweries are like they're literally putting beer out. You know, wort outside to yeah. collect all that crap in the sure. air, and you know, but that's just recycling it round
2: again because prior to all the cleanliness, there was crap floating around everywhere when sure. they were made sure.
1: farmhouse beers. But so. the '90s was when you, it was like everything had to be pristine. The beer I brewed is a hazy, believe it or not. I didn't have enough hops to do a large batch, so we did it on our pilot system. I got two kegs out of it we put it in whirlpool and then I, I did dry hop with it hops are naturally an anti, antibacterial that that's one of the reasons they were put in beer is that it preserves the beer so you know and plus when i dry when you dry hop there's already some alcohol in there so there's some antiseptic kind of quality there too so i'm with you bob on keeping <laughs> it clean because I, that's the way i learned to brew but <laughs> I took a leap this time. Yeah. And, uh,
0: yeah, you had you mentioned know. that. Yeah, you dry hopped with that, and I was that. That just scares the <laughs> heck out of me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I will confess, I had noticed that day. So I, I took all these big baskets that we collected up the hops into, and I dumped them into my mash tun that I was using as a makeshift hop back, waiting for the boil to be done. So I had 76 pounds of fresh hops sitting in there. I wanted to jump into that big mash done so badly and just sort of do hop angels. I did not, (laughs) so you don't have to worry.
2: (laughs) That's a hell of a publicity. If you're
0: you're drinking this, you don't have to worry. I was not rolling around in your drink. Um, But I did notice there was, and was for at least a week afterwards, a fair amount of – spider webs about in the brewery wow again we pulled these we we harvested on a monday a couple of managers and a bunch of servers came out and helped us out and so it was monday afternoon we finished picking it i got it all kind of prepped up in bins in the brewery and then tuesday morning i came in real early and i got to brewing it so it was less than 24 hours from field to beer and you better believe there were, you know, a few yeah. living things that came on in with them. Now yeah. they have gone through the boil and whatnot, so you don't have to worry about them being in your beer. <laughs> but for a good week or so after that, I kept finding cobwebs in the brewery that are usually not there. Dude, I used to
1: – I'd go to Tom's house to get the hops, and he'd, we'd cut them down, and i put the whole vine in the car and drive it back to hop and uh, lay them out. And then – well, I mean – you. You're hand picking the cones off of these plants, so there is some elimination of the larger critters.
0: Yeah, you find some big ones that. there sometimes.
1: But when I I'd, I'd, in my car, I'd have stuff. I'd be finding bugs for for weeks, man. <laughs> so this time, Tom brought them to me so he can do bugs in his car. Well, but there is some elimination by that hand picking. Your pickers are, you know. But those little oh, tiny. Yeah, critters, don't think
0: right. you, we weren't hearing some squealing out there in the field from perhaps some of the female, perhaps some of the male service as well. I won't uh, judge, but yeah, every once in a while you find uh, some big character that's been living out there on that vine all summer long, and uh,
1: not to mention your hands afterwards—that sticky, oh, yeah. resiny hot Uh, with a delicious aroma yeah the aroma stays with
0: you so yeah your hands are all sticky but it smells so good you don't want to wash it off yeah
1: well the end result was fantastic
2: but as ELO said it's a living thing (laughs) (laughs) doodle doo cheers Cheers, we'll be back with the next beer from the fantastic rock tap which we'll talk about next Beer that we're sampling is one that I said to Bob, okay, you choose which one you'd like. So he said he liked the Saison, and that's what we have. What's the name of this one? Is it what animal or person is this named? <laughs> this one's there?
0: named after my mother. Uh, this is Saison, Marilyn this is the first beer i named when i started here the previous brewer had been making a beer i think that was named after his father or grandfather or family member so when i came and made another saison they said okay you can you know name it whatever and so i named it after my mother and uh, as i was uh, saying a moment ago sort of as an homage to what i consider to be kind of the origin of species for uh, belgian saisons the saison dupont it's a favorite of mine and so I named this Cezanne Maryland rather than calling the the typical naming convention here. It would be like uh, they kept calling. They kept putting on the menu Maryland's Cezanne. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not Maryland's Cezanne. It's Cezanne DuPont. And, of course, it was lost on the people who are not beer geeks such as myself <laughs> right. getting that I was trying to name it you know, in honor of trying to mimic saison Cezanne, Cezanne Maryland. Cezanne Maryland. Is it?
2: Marilyn, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N? Yes, like it Monroe. is. Monroe? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know if there's a different spelling. <laughs> I thought i clarify Perhaps that. there is. Anyway. But yes, thank
0: you. <laughs> yeah, was just named for my mother. The, the beers here we name for dearly departed family members and pets, and so the first thing I had was my most, you know, closest family member. Named it for my mother. And I've been making this since day one when I started here. We've always had a year-round Cezanne, and it has been Maryland, which I've kind of refined and tweaked and changed yeast a few times to kind of get just what I was looking for. And I'm using, uh, I'm using a Belgian yeast from Lalamond. And also adding some orange peel and some pink peppercorns at the end of the, the boil with this to add just a bit more complexity to it because I just love a lot of things going on. That to me, bel to me, saison is all about the yeast. I mean, whatever else yes. you put in there is incidental. Just don't make it you know get in the way of the crazy character you can get from that Belgian yeast that you can tease out if you. You know, you know, treating it the right way. I ferment this really warm to just let that yeast run, just do whatever it wants.
1: Right on. And
0: I, I get a
2: real flavor journey on this one. Now, I always get confused about the spicy slash peppercorn notes in in saisons. I don't. I mean, I that must be in there, and I understand that, but I don't really. I can't pick that out. Now, what I do pick out is the Belgian yeast, but on this one, I do get, you know, I thought on the aroma, there was something different, and I think your orange peel mm-hmm. probably is that difference. Yeah, that's But it. As, I, as I go through it, I get that Belgian flavor, and then I get a, a slight touch of almost something smooth and vanillary, but mm. I don't know what it is. The mouthfeel on this is really smooth. Okay ken am i
1: full of crap mm. no this is <laughs> first of all i gotta tell you the beer is beautiful it's just the clarity is just it is amazing it's crystal like a, yeah brilliant oh like and deep. i should tell you ken
2: when you weren't here i was talking to bob when he was pouring it i says it's kind of orangey isn't it more yellowy for a saison and he said no that's pretty I much what saison de i had
0: said i was you know making this trying to you know, replicate or get as close to, as I could to uh, Cezanne DuPont, a beer that I adore, and that is frequently when describing DuPont, many people refer to it as it has like a, a strange orange hue to it.
1: Well, we're also sitting amongst these lights that are...
0: <laughs> We've got some kind a of... Uh, darker than... Uh, yeah. We're kind of dimly lit. We'll, we'll
2: talk about the lights in just a sec. Talk about the beer, and then we'll go to the <laughs> I lights. I was
1: talking about the beer. Oh, okay. And then you... Well... I sidetracked you. You did, I, and I'm telling you, it ain't hard to squirrel me. Yeah. It's like, whoo, I'm off. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, so, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a lot of saisons. They're they're known for being very highly attenuated, and mm-hmm. which means dry finish. You know, light in your, on your palate. This one's right there. It's 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 nice. It's
0: this one is actually thinner than water.
1: That's crazy. So <laughs> that happens because the, yeah. there's alcohol in yeah. it, but it means it ferments almost like literally almost probably all the sugar out of it.
0: I my last calculation, uh, I, I do keep re- uh, very close records on every uh, brew of mine. I have brew logs, and I you know keep all the information there. And the numbers on this did calculate out to a one hundred percent. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, um, so these
1: beers can really fool you because they're light, and the, that's and the thing.
0: I think it's a it's a characteristic of Belgian yeast. They just the flavor that Belgian character, I think, is perfect for hiding alcohol. Because I can't tell you how many Belgian beers I had in my life. I'm like, oh, it tastes really good, and I, oh, I'll have another one of these, <laughs> and then I try to stand up and I realize that I've been drinking like a nine and a half percent beer that I didn't even realize because right. it's it's it like. I think alcohol hides perfectly behind that Belgian character. That said, gentlemen, this is a nine percent beer right here. Oh my God! Character. Right? I was, okay, so I was going to okay. ask. Okay, what
2: is so
1: we, seriously? We, usually, like about seven half eight percent is when you can start feeling some heat. Sure. Mm. I'm not getting. Oh, I heat. didn't get anything. No. No. This so, is dangerous. So I was going to
2: ask you. We didn't <laughs> yeah. talk about ABV for the pre- previous two. Um, so what was the first beer we had? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's stopping uh, the show, Lager. Lager. The Vienna Lager. The Vienna
2: Lager. What was that? It's got to be around. The
0: Vienna, I think, was like 6%. Like okay. Exactly, 6.0. Cool. And then uh, the Harvest Ale? The, the Fresh Harvest is 6.5%. Okay. You need a little bit more to back up all those hops that are in there. Right. And then when you get yeah. to the Belgian, especially when you get to a Saison, like Ken was saying, you want it to be super, super dry. And so I... May have enlisted the help of some extra enzymes in there to help dry this out as much as I possibly could, and in doing that, of course, when you make a beer dry, it's because you're converting all those sugars into alcohol, and the more the drier it is, the more sugar has become alcohol, and you end up with very very high ABVs. Wow! And well, you I'll
1: tell you what, when I was when we were here last week, this was of I think I tried eight or nine beers. <laughs>
0: Nine is what we have. They were
1: just samples. Uh, they were. They were. We shared them. But this was the one I picked out as, as my favorite of the group. And you were talking about the spices and the fruits mm. and it's phenols. And yeah. Phenols are generally the spice. Esters are the fruit. This has just got – it's so complex and it's balanced. And I, I like the, the peppercorns, the pink peppercorns. Yeah. I have experience with those from growing – they grow in my dad's neighborhood in Southern California. Nice. And then it was, did you say it was bitter orange? Uh, or
0: you, I believe it is bitter orange peel, yes.
1: It's just it's just all is working really well in this. I, yeah, I it love punches up the
0: citrus. I mean, the, the yeast, I believe, creates a natural citrus in there, and then putting the, the orange peel in there. I get a lot of people always saying that, uh, yeah, they go, oh, there's a lot of citrus going on in here. I'm like, yeah. I think no. maybe. It, Between the yeast and the... Other uh, stuff, And then the yeast, again, uh, where you're talking about like pepperiness in there, that is also a typical uh, descriptor you get in farmhouse yeast is like black pepper. It gives you like a little bit of sharp tingliness at the very end. And originally I was putting black pepper in here, and then I realized that I just didn't need it because it was already there. But I just love the complexity of pink pepper. I I had no experience with pink peppercorn until working here in the brewery at BBGB, you know – right next to the kitchen of hardware where Chef Ali just does crazy things with crazy different flavors mixing them all and the aromas that sometimes waft over from the restaurant and the brewery, I just get enraptured with them. And it was like pink <laughs> peppercorns one time, I'm like what is that? And I was just amazed at the just the complexity. I couldn't like put my finger on anything, but I knew I liked what it smelled like and liked what it tasted like. And so I incorporated that into the very end of the boil to add a little bit in.
2: I'm going to assume they are actually pink when you look at them. So they I, are. I, all I know is black peppercorns. Uh, and
0: although, and here's a bit of ridiculous trivia for you: they're not actually peppercorns. Oh, It's actually a different plant. Whatever plant it is, like black, white, green peppercorns are actually peppercorns. Pink peppercorns are a different plant entirely, but they call them peppercorns. So really? That's your The more you know.
2: Yeah, but now we don't know what the bloody plant is. So now you've <laughs> left us with a hanger. Google, you,
1: everybody. You, Google. You, I'm pretty sure you can buy pink peppercorn at Aldi in a grinder. I think it's Aldi. Probably. But okay. it's literally
2: uh, there. Okay. I'm just going to say... I bought, as we're talking peppercorns, we're just going to go off on a quick scroll here. I bought the best peppercorn grinder in the world. It's from a place called Sula Table. Oh, Sula sure. Table. I Table. Or in Naperville, where yes, local yes, one. Yes, yes. Right down so down. it's like a regular one, but it has this kind of a thing on the top of it that you go back and forth, back and forth, kind of like a... Um, the thing that keeps time in music. A metronome? A metronome, yeah. Sure. But you put the, you've put got a nice hole. You can put the peppercorns in. You can dial up how big you want it. And then you just go back and forth, back and mm. forth. It is so easy, and it produces such a fantastic pepper dispersion on your food <laughs> and it's like I a little ritual w- as it your, is fantastic you eat. back like and forth and it's beautiful
1: I would recommend it for everybody anyway back to beer I just did what everyone is doing that's <laughs> listening to this I googled it, it- I'm not going to tell you. Google it and look it up. There's like three different types of pink peppers. There you go. uh, And one is like a rose, one is a berry, and one is actually a pepper.
0: So that's Um, what I was warning you. They're not. It says peppercorn, but it's not the same plant. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a pellitory or whatever. I don't know. We've got, and that actually, again, that was another thing. I was kind of introduced to that. I was seeing through the restaurant because they kind of do everything from scratch here, Mm -hmm. and I discovered their shelf of spices. Oh yeah, uh, back oh, yeah. where they make their own charcuterie he's, and they make their own sausages. He's pointing to the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're right on the other side of the yeah. glass here in the restaurant, and yeah. they there's a room where they make the sausages and the spices and put together the charcuterie and whatnot. Actually, there's a bunch of sausages hanging there in the window, yeah, and t- they've got tons of spices over there. And that was a cool thing as a brewer coming in here, and I had access to all that, so I was a little bit of a kid in a candy store, like you know, I can make whatever I want, and I've got all this stuff at my disposal you know what's next what else can i do and i love being able to just experiment and try to create something new all the time so, so awesome.
2: let's let's talk a little bit about the actual location where you're at because it seems that the brewery is just an add-on, if you will. A hidden gem is what we hid- like to call it. A hidden gem. <laughs> yes. I would agree with that A well-hidden gem. Yeah. <laughs> um, previously, I think for the first two years, it was a pebble in my shoe. But we'll, we'll go back to that. We're going to go forward right now. So, this is an awesome place. Didn't come into it beforehand, but everything that's in here seems to be reclaimed yes. and i know sustainability is is kind of a watchword here sure you have lights that are made out of barrel staves and all sorts of good stuff going on you have what is it down there the uh, bar, s- rail? The it bar is, rail it's a literally a train a train rail, train rail.
0: <laughs> it's an old train track yeah.
2: <laughs> and then one of the most interesting things is i looked up above your hmm. bar area and there are like these brown, strange things that are yeah. up there. Now, they tell us like, about those. They look like cloth bags. Yeah, they, they do look, look like, like. Yeah, cloth it looks bags. like big uh,
0: burlap sacks or something. But they're actually steel envelopes, pillows. What what might you call? When they were starting to build a the place, they built a the place around a couple of very large stones, and one of those is where our taps run through. <clears throat> And when they were first building the place, they had to put all these stones in place before the building was built. So it was actually – the stones went in first and then it was built around. They're structural. I mean this this big stone that we're looking at that the taps, the beers come out of is actually holding up the building. And it was a bit like Stonehenge when they first – because that was the first thing that came up. It was this big open field. They put up these large stones, built the building around it, Hmm. and it – you know comes right on out of there well, to go get those stones, the owners went to a quarry to select because you know it 's a very natural thing and there 's variation so they had to pick which ones they wanted and When they went there, they found all in the corner these this huge pile of these big rusty sheets of metal and as it turns out what the way that they break out the new pieces of stone from the quarry was they 've got a massive circular saw and they 'll saw you know they 'll cut out this uh, new piece. And then to split it off, they'll slide in this metal, this steel pouch, if you will, but it's a very large one, maybe three-foot square, and they'll uh, inflate it with water, actually. They'll pump it full. The pressure will expand the steel out until it breaks the stone off of the big block they're cutting it from. And then they, there's your stone. that it, it's, it's broken off, and it's free, and now they have this steel pouch that they've used that is... It destroys itself in the process. It you know expands and distorts and whatnot. It gets tossed off to the side, and they use a new one for the next one, the next uh, piece of stone that they're cutting. So when they went there to pick the stone, they saw this big pile of all of these pieces of metal that were all contorted and twisted in these weird patterns but all unique and a little bit different. And they said, what, can we buy some of those? And they said, yeah, that's our garbage pile. Please get those out of here. That would be just great. No problem. So they selected a bunch of them, and actually we kind of made a little divider wall in between the parking lot and the hop farm Mm -hmm. out of these big steel, uh, as I was saying, like unusually twisted. um, Every shape, you Mm -hmm. know, every one is a different shape. And then also some were used in the restaurant up above the bar. Uh, they're hung up from the ceiling, and I can't tell you how many people they look and they ask, as we were just talking about, they're like, is that like a fabric or is that like a big burlap sack or something? Because it looks like it might be. But, no, it's it's brown, but it's because it's just rusted steel. It's these old uh, big metal things that they used in the quarry to pull out these great big slabs of stone that we used to build the restaurant. That's very, very cool.
2: <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe that you would blow up a steel pillow
1: with water. That's Another amazing thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's
1: pretty cool. I'm telling you, Phil, I'm, I'm so glad we came here last week. Bob's one of those guys I've known. I, I've known a Bob for a long time. We've we've met here and there in yes, various many beer venues occasions. And, <laughs> and I just felt really guilty that I had not been to hardware or BBGB. As you should have. And I'm telling you, <laughs> it's like a weight's lifted off me. But... I also have to, you know, I'd see Bob and I'd be like, I gotta, like, avoid him because I've <laughs> been out to his place. But sitting here and having been a brew pub brewer for my entire life until now, this is the real deal. They're growing stuff here. There's sausages being aged over there. There's a display. Is this the this the kitchen or the uh, That's a prep the charcuterie
0: area? room. They prep all the charcuterie plates right there. They mm-hmm. make the sausages. There's the machine, and it's cool. Yeah. It's the kitchen area actually. Uh, what we 're sitting in front of there 's this big like uh, kind of a small bar area with a great big piece of canvas that says reserved on there because it 's reserved seating, but on the weekends on the night, they will take that piece of canvas down and it opens right up into the kitchen and so you can see the grill in there you can see everything that 's happened right inside the kitchen actually directly in front of here is the the wood fired stove so there are you know several you know gas burners and there 's ovens and whatnot, but there is a great big grill back there. That is fired by just chunks of wood that they're throwing there. That you know, many much of the meat is cooked over there. So you can they keep it open, sort of as the that's really you know, cool. the spectacle, the uh, the circus, <laughs> uh, you know, bread and circuses. There's it's happening right back that's there. That's Really cool. And, and one, yeah.
1: ar- one one of the reasons, Phil, let me interrupt you there. It, it, the reasons I didn't, the reason I didn't hadn't come out here was what you mentioned that I had heard the chef was brewing early on and the beers were very marginal. <coughs> And extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. But one thing you told us last week is when you got here, mm-hmm. you the beers were all priced across the board the same.
0: It was the exact same price for every beer from the cream ale that has very little. Uh, I mean, hops are frequently the largest cost in a beer that you make. And mm-hmm. there's very little hops in there. And it's like all mild uh, base grain, So it's a cheaper beer to make. And then you get to like a, a barrel aged Imperial Stout that, of course, cuts a fortune in grain. And then in the barrels, you have to roll it in the cost. Everything was priced exactly the same. And I'm mm. like, wait a minute, something's. We can, we can do better than this. They were priced so that, you know, we kind of averaged everything together. I'm like, well, no, let's make that cream ale cheaper as it should be and, you know, make the Imperial Stout, you know, a, a premium price as it's a premium beer and kind of level everything out. In accordance to what it costs to make it.
2: And you and you are actually a very big whiskey bar. So if you make a comparison there, you know, not every whiskey is the same price, right? So you know, if you have a whiskey that's I don't know, twelve year old Scotch, I don't know whiskeys, so all bourbons. You know, you're going to pay more than something that was brewed last year.
0: <laughs> I believe the uh, we have a 23 year old Pappy Van Winkle here, and Pappy you, Van Winkle you, you're, you're, one
2: of my favorites. Right. You might
0: have to, uh, you know, forego the house payment this month if you wanted to get a couple ounces of that. Oh really? Oh yeah. shit! That much? It's a pricey so. one. Yeah, hardware does have, I believe, the last count I knew was around 450 different bourbons here. And when you walk in the front door, that's what you're faced with, these backlit walls of brown liquor. And as the brewmaster here, I have to admit, it is rather enticing to see all those brown liquors up there. And so you kind of forget or you know, the brewery is almost secondary here, which I think is one of the reasons why it took it takes people a few years to find me.
2: Well, and I would say that yeah, okay. We understand that the business model here is different to a lot of places. <laughs> Even if it's just a simple, you know, small nanopub who just does stuffed pretzels or whatever. Now, I haven't tasted the food yet, so Mm. I'm going to put that on my list to come down here and book a table and make sure I taste some of the fantastic food. You're going
0: to want to come back here and interview our chef, uh, Executive Chef Allie afterwards because her... She's right up my alley. More <laughs> am- <laughs> oh, dear. Her food's okay, more sorry. amazing than my beers, believe it or not. So,
2: Oh, wow. Uh, so let me ask you that then. Do you do beer dinners?
0: We do, actually. We do once a year. Just this past weekend, actually, two days ago, we had our yearly whiskey dinner where they do a pairing uh, As
2: not a beer dinner.
0: I understood. <laughs> understood. understood. You know what? I'm selfless. I'm helping out <laughs> everyone else. But in the springtime, every spring we do a, a beer dinner. Actually, this past year it was on St. Patrick's Day. But Chef Allie, she makes... She, I will select the beers that I want to have in this dinner. I'll usually, well, whenever possible, I'll pick some special beers, some ones that are not you know the stuff that we have on tap every day. Something from my archives, maybe something barrel aged that I've had sitting back on the cooler for a while. And mm-hmm. I'll always make at least one beer that is just for that dinner. So you know, just to kind of make it a special event for people to come to. And she will then sit and taste those and pull the flavors out and make courses that pair perfectly with those beers like it's it's as if a match made in heaven um she does a great job and i'm all, it's a privilege for me to have my beers along with her food
2: well you add me at charcuterie but, <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah fantastic place really awesome it it's an eye-opener again, as I say. I think this is going to be somewhere where I want to come back to. For sure. Whenever you have the new beers.
0: You got it. As a one-person brewery, I, I not only brew all the beers and you know clean all the floors and place all the orders and whatnot, but I also have to do the Instagram and the Facebook, try to get the word out there. Uh, <laughs> let people know what's going on. That's where I let people uh, know what's going on. Whenever there's new beers on, it's out Mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook, pictures of the new delicious things on tap. So that's where you can find it.
2: We've had three fantastic beers here and a real good conversation with you. I need to go out and take some pictures because this place, it's almost like you explore around and and there's something new all the time. Yeah, it's really good. Now, in the summer, you Mm -hmm.
0: have a really fantastic outside, right? The patio here is second to none. There was... Someone, Time Out Chicago, someone, they named us, no, it wasn't Chicago, I'm sorry, I wish I could remember the name of it, it was a a national magazine, they had, you know, best outdoor dining in the United States. Wow. And a local paper had picked up that story because two of the places named in there were in the state of Illinois. So it was Illinois said, Oh, there's one and it was in Chicago, some hip neighborhood in Chicago. And the other one was us. It was hardware. They said we were one of the top places in the United States for outdoor dining. The patio here is amazing. We have the hops growing out over there so the sun kind of filters through the hops and, you know, wide open space and all actually Interspersed amongst the tables out there in the patio are the some of the gardens grown by the the greenhouse people. There's you know basil oh, well, and cool. rosemary and whatnot growing out there as well. So it's a it's a beautiful uh, place to dine.
2: Yeah, you grow grow your, your own herbs.
0: So. Yeah, they're right there. Yeah. And if there's not enough no. in the dish that you get, you can just lean over and you know add some more to yeah. it. <laughs> you know the whole
1: wall on the front is covered with. It's, we have, a, we have a live wall,
0: yes. Yeah, so when you walk in the front door, the entire wall of the front of the restaurant it's, it's, is
1: all. It's a dying
2: a bit right now because we it's, are in full. So. It's, yeah, it's 30. An, it's not tomorrow, quite so <laughs> <for> live.
0: <laughs> it's Halloween tomorrow, so it's right, not exactly right. uh, time yeah. for stuff that to is grow. It's really cool, though. <laughs> so,
2: so I want to say that you know, for everybody who's listening to this, this is the most hidden gem mm. that you have to come back and apologize for not having visited. I will say that if you're on a Illinois brewery trip, down the road mm-hmm. is our friend Mr. Steve Newman and brother Chimp. So, you you know, if you're coming out to North Aurora, you've got two breweries. And if you head up Randall Road, you've got a plethora of breweries. Yes, you do. But maybe you want to do it north to south because then you can come down here and have a wonderful meal.
0: There you go. Or you could start <laughs> here have your meal. You don't get a base on and while your palate is still active taste all the delicious I got beers. a couple of <laughs> final questions for you here. all right then. so
2: okay number one what is BBGB oh I
0: was afraid you're gonna ask this <laughs> BBGB <laughs> um, well there's two different angles to that uh, first off uh, something we didn't get to uh, we were talking about how everything in here is reclaimed uh, lots of old wood from like old barns the uh, we have an old train track that is used as the bar rail uh, all this old wood that is like burnt like from Old burnt out buildings and whatnot. The bricks that are, uh, surround the brewery, the actual part of the uh, building that is the brewery itself, is is bricked, and those bricks are actually reclaimed from a crematorium. The uh, the smaller Uh-oh. bricks on the top of the wall are the building, but the bottom three feet or so are actually fire bricks. Those are the bricks oh. that were part of the fire box of the crematorium.
2: Whoa. So
0: that... Also added on to all these uh, planks of wood here that came from old burnt out buildings, and then all the beers that are named after either dead relatives or dead pets. <laughs> we got it's perfect that it's Halloween coming up. We have no, Halloween no. tomorrow. Is we got kind of a dark thing going on here? Are you are you haunted? Well, you know, I get here sometimes when I'm brewing. I get here super early in the morning. I'm the only one in the whole building, and people aren't say, "Aren't you lonely?" I said, "No, I'm kept." accompanied by the voices of a thousand tortured souls. Oh my god, that are screaming out in the brewery from those bricks. I'm telling you, man.
1: I'm telling you, I always say a brewery is a gathering place and apparently even for the dead. For <laughs> the
0: And so BBGB is kind of was kind of a rhyme with heebie-jeebies because oh. we've got all these dead relatives and these creepy bricks and the burnt wood and it also kind of worked out as the um, the owners were trying to you know come up with the names that all of their initials, they all had either a B or a G in their names. So heebie go went over to BBGB, it named all of the owners, and it also paid tribute to all of the souls that are watching us right now as we sit beer in the brewery. And I
2: got a couple of them on the bottom of my feet. Yeah, be careful. Souls, thank you.
0: Souls. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Okay, so the the next question. Aside from here, favorite brewery in the
0: area? Oh, my goodness. Wow, I did not expect that. I'm putting you on the
2: spot now. You sure are. I
0: did not see that one coming. Favorite brewery in the area?
2: And I I understand Uh. you you have. There you, are so many, and you your understand party that they industry. all know me too. Yes, I But I you've been in Illinois beer something that's years, yeah, something that's like recently, you think, they're really good. Oh, they're doing good oh, stuff. Oh my
0: goodness, um, there's so many to choose from. You know, um, I get kind of <laughs> I, I get kind of lazy with that choice because I like to choose the places that are closer that I don't <laughs> I don't have to take a really long you drive and me home. Both. <laughs> I, can, I can safely drive home. And as a Batavia resident, I was very happy when I saw a sturdy shelter opening a year ago or so. I was like, oh, fantastic. They're, you know, in the same town, not a very far drive. I can enjoy other stuff and still make a drive home. That also said, I've also been enjoying some preview samples from Greenology, the mm-hmm. brew distillery that is going to be opening, I think I was told it's 942 feet away from Sturdy Shelter. It is, yeah. Right in uh, uh, Batavia as well. Um, so I'm looking – I'm, I'm uh, planning on wearing out a lot of shoe leather in between those two places because wherever I take uh, an Uber to, I'm certainly going to be dro- uh, walking to the other one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before moving on home. So, yeah, I do like the local places. Um, Another the good people at art history when they opened up also very close to me, and I have lately you may have noticed a selection today the the Vienna lager, and we were speaking of the 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 german fest beer i 've been on a a huge lager thing these days. If, it, if it's not one of the year-round beers, it's a one-off for me. It's usually going to be some different kind of lager because that's all I'm making these days because I'm all of a sudden in love with them for some reason. <laughs> and I think maybe Art History is one of those. They make a lot of amazing lagers, and I like what they huh. do over there. So I keep on going back to get more.
2: So we don't want to put you on the spot too much. No, but, again? Okay, so when you're at home, what are you watching on the TV?
0: Watch on TV? Right now I'm watching Letter Kenny. What? Letter Kenny it's, What the hell's that? Uh, okay, am I out of the even, I'm out of the never loop even heard here? Of it. It's uh, Canadian. They're Canadian people, um, and as Canadians they, Oh yeah? You're they make, a Canadian? I'm not. Oh. I've I'm I, I've I've known a few Canadians in my time. Uh, I've seen
2: one on TV. He's
0: okay. there, but at any rate. Yes. Uh <laughs> Well, you, you say you didn't want to put me on the spot, but sure, no, you sure are, aren't you? What the hell is Letter Kenny then? It's a it's a bunch of people that are living in a on a farm up in somewhere in Canada and playing hockey and. What channel is this on? Uh, you know so what? It's, it's Hulu. No, it's not. It's oh, Definitely, definitely okay. not reality. Okay. It's, it's not go. even Canadian reality. <laughs> no, you know what? I, as many people did, I cut the cord a long time ago. So I just stream things, and that's yep. my latest stream is uh, Letter Kenny. Oh, okay. If I'm not doing uh, Rick and Morty, uh, my, you know what? My wife is all about the um, the reality shows. She does okay. the, the the people, uh, the Biggest Loser. She likes to see either people losing weight or people gaining weight because she loves the big, the British breaking show as well. So it's either people <laughs> making cakes or people trying to lose weight because they ate too many cakes. So. Have you been voted off the island? Uh, no. Definitely. <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. Okay, last question. Favorite band? Favorite band? Wow. Uh, Jeez. Um, we
2: ask the hard-hitting questions here. I've been a, a <laughs>
0: huge Prince fan since I was a little kid. And you oh. know what? I just bought tickets not long ago to see a Prince tribute band at the local theater, Arcada, uh, at the Arcada in go. Aurora or in St. Charles. Sorry, and um, I uh, last about a year ago. I went out there and I brought my kids. I brought my daughters at the time; they were uh, thirteen and fourteen. And I cannot tell you how many like high fives I got that <laughs> night because. I was the third youngest person in the entire theater ahead of my two daughters. (laughs) And walking through there, I kept seeing these piece of people all older than me, and they would see me like just in passing, and they would look at my like teenage daughters, and they're like, what are they do-? And they would look at me, and I would get this like kind of just knowing nod or a high five. And this like, was for a Prince concert? That's good parenting right they're, there. Yes. This is for- oh, my God. It okay. was well a Prince cover band, and I, we're going to see them again uh, right. in the next couple of months. I got front row seats because they loved it. So I, have, I took like, videos of them, like, you know, Singing along and pumping their fists They know all the words because the, Since the day they were in little you know, Boosters or carriers in the back of my car They've been listening to me playing Prince In the car so they know the words to all of the uh, Do they have Brasbury Berets? They sure do What's well, right. the name of the cool. band Uh, The name of the band is The Purple Experience. Oh, there we go. Nice. Yeah, they will be up at the Arcata Theater (laughs) coming up December 9th and 10th. Get your tickets now. (laughs) And with that, uh,
2: Bob, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you here. You've got so much to talk about. Your beers are fantastic. We've had three really good ones. Yes, Um, only
0: three. We haven't had... We didn't have six before we started We didn't started have the six, it.
2: no. But there we go. We could go on for another one. Maybe there's a part two in the, in the working. Um, we're empty, so you're, you've got a little bit. But at the end of this, we always like to say it's good night from me and good night from him and good night, Bob. Okay, Cheers. peace out, bros. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Hey Ken, what about Bob? Not bad, eh? I I am really. Stoked that we came back here. You you know, been, the, the you've m- been, you haven't been stoked for a few years. The mics have you? are
0: still on, you know. Oh, I know. I
2: oh, wait a minute. You. He can hear me. He's in the same room. I'm still so listening. <laughs>
1: I think I hear a ghost. Ooh. <laughs> Brit Yankee, Brit Yankee. I'll have a bite, yo. Yo, know, give us a pint. You got any techniques? Uh, oh, a pint, please, Bob. Give him another pint, please, Bob. <coughs>